I'm sure many of you have come to realize that struggles are a part of this life. They come in all aspects of life, right? They come in the physical aspect of life, relational, financial, emotional, spiritual. We're in a series entitled People Jesus Met, and we find individuals with their own personal struggles. Oh yeah, people in the Bible, they have their struggles, right? We looked at Zacchaeus, remember him? He was a social outcast. The disciples, these guys, they were just consumed with their work, fishing, that's what they did. But when these people met Jesus, everything changed, everything. Today we're going to see an aspect of Jesus drawn out by a man. Oh, this guy? He had a thousand struggles. Count them, a thousand. <laughs> and yet we're going to see Jesus has the power. He has the power to change a life. And I bet many of you that are listening right now, you can attest to the fact that Jesus had the power and he changed your life. Oh, yes, he did. And that is superpower, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So let's set the scene. Jesus and his disciples, they just cro crossed the Sea of Galilee. In that crossing, they encountered a great tempest. What's a tempest? Ugh, it's a bad storm. In the storm, the disciples, well, they panicked. But Jesus got them through. That's good. Jesus gets us through the storms. So our story is in Mark chapter 1. And we find a man with some serious issues. His struggles are certainly beyond his own ability to handle them. And here's what it says. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him a man, came running out of the tombs, and he had an unclean spirit. You know, Sometimes, troubles just seem to come one after another. Did you ever think that? It's like you get through one and then boom, here comes another one. You get through that one, boom, here comes another one. And even the disciples, they went from a bad storm to a guy with a bad spirit. In verse 3, he lived among the tombs. Not a great place to live, is it? No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Like I said, some struggles, they are beyond human ability. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he broke the chains apart. And he broke the shackles into pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. And night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out, cutting himself with stones. Wow. Think about this. What were these demons in him causing him to do? To torment and destroy the divine likeness in which human beings are created. You realize that we are all made in the image of God? Oh yeah, we're flawed. But look at what Satan is doing today. 
to get people to destroy the divine likeness. Confusing people with their genders, pushing them into hurt their bodies and maim their bodies. Oh, there is so much destruction and confusion about our own humanity. Where does that come from? Oh, that comes from the kingdom of darkness. Here is a man who's stuck in a rut and he can't get out. And he's scary to everyone else. He probably feels hopeless in his own heart. I'm stuck in this place. I don't have the ability to to fix myself. No one has the ability to fix me. I am done. Now, this guy has a problem because he is indwelt, as we're going to see, with many, many demons. When he saw Jesus from afar off, he ran and he fell down before him. Now, we're going to see something today. We're going to see that there are individuals that know God, they believe God exists, but they still rebel against him. And James tells us about them, James 2.19. He said, you believe that God is one? Oh, you do well. Even the demons believe. And they shudder. So you see, having a head knowledge of God isn't salvation. Demons have a head knowledge of God, and they believe he exists. But they tremble. So with this man in verse 7, Mark chapter 1, crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? See, he knew who he was. I adjure you by God, do not torment me. He knew He knew that in Jesus was divinity. He knew that in Jesus was power, greater power that was in that man. In verse 8, for he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Jesus knew he had the authority, the power, the ability, here it comes, to set this man free. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. Oh, there are many in this man. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. They knew they were going to get uh, kicked out of this man. What's the word I'm looking for? He was going to exorcise them out of him. But they didn't want to be wandering aimlessly in the country. Because demons are disembodied spirits that seek bodies to indwell. Yeah, they want to live in a body. Demons look for human bodies, maybe even animal bodies, that they can indwell, here it comes, and control. You think there are demons that control human bodies today? Oh, yeah. I'd say so. Most indubitably, there are. Now, there was a herd of pigs nearby, and they asked Jesus to send them into the pigs. And he did. He obliged them. He sent them into the pigs. Well, you know what happened with the pigs? They got all stirred up. They ran down a steep bank into the sea, and they were drowned. Wow. Now, this message is not to focus on legion, 
It's not to focus on the pigs, but on the power of Christ to change a life. You know, I think a lot of folks today are struggling and they want their life to change. It will only change if you go to Jesus Christ. It's the only way. You got to go to the Lord. Well, you know what happened with this scene? The herdsmen that were watching the pigs, they went into town and they told the people what Jesus had done. You you can imagine all the excitement. Oh, Jesus came, Jesus came. He, he, he commanded the demons to come out of that guy in the tombs, commanded them to go into the pigs. But the pigs, they ran down a cliff. They jumped in the sea. They're all dead. In verse 15, all the people came out of the town and they came to Jesus. And they saw the demon-possessed man, the one that had the legion. And there he was, sitting, calm, clothed, and in his right mind. The disciples probably had some clothes. They all chipped in and gave him something to wear. This man was now sitting, clothed, and sane. What a miracle. What a beautiful sight that must have been. What a testimony to what Jesus can do to a person. Now, you would think that the people would be amazed at Jesus' power. you think they'd be celebrating. You know, like when the prodigal son came home, the father said, let's celebrate. Oh, my son was lost, now he's found. He was dead, now he's alive. Let's have a barbecue, give him some clothes. Let's go, let's celebrate. Well, you would think that. You would think that the people would say, Oh, Jesus, that was incredible. Stay with us. Stay with us here and teach us your word. Remember like the Samaritans did when Jesus met the woman at the well? All the men came up to see if he really was who he was. And they said, Oh, stay with us a few more days. They invited Jesus to stay with them. They wanted to learn. They wanted to know this Jesus. But here we have something different going on. Ah, what? We have an unexpected outcome instead. You know what the Bible says? They were afraid. They were afraid. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Wow. They begged Jesus, please, don't don't stay here. Please leave. You know, it seems like the remarkable change in the demon-possessed man and the drowning of the pigs seem to be a matter of major concern. But they were more concerned about the pigs than they were about the man. They wanted Jesus to leave. Hmm. The fact that a man was restored to sanity wasn't as effective or important to them as the financial loss that they incurred. We have two categories of people here. A man who welcomed change in his life and a people who enjoyed the status quo so much that they were comfortable in their carnality. You see, it's believed that the herdsmen were Jewish. And for pigs to be kept by Jews, that was taboo. That was like, no, you don't do that. 
You know, carnal comfortability leaves no room for Jesus. What did he say? Carnal comfortability leaves no room for Jesus. In other words, when you're comfortable in your carnality, there's no room for Christ. There's none. We we like the status quo. We're okay. I'm okay. You're okay. Leave us alone. We don't want change. How many people are like that in the world? I would say most people. Yep, most people. How about you? Are you like that? You like the status quo? I've, I saw recently on TV, on the news, a former CEO of a large company. I forget what the company was, if it was a sneaker company or something else. And he was asked, should we pull away from trading with China because of their human rights violations? You know, people are being mistreated out there. Oh, they're, they're mistreating Christians. They're mistreating other religions. They're mistreating the workers, the people. It's a terrible place to be. And you know what he responded? He said that would be a grave economic mistake. What did he say? He said financially it would hurt us. He didn't even consider the human rights violations. He was thinking money. After all, isn't that what CEOs do? They think money. Not that all CEOs are like that, but we're saying the love of money is the root to all kinds of evil. Not money, it's the love of money. So what he's saying is, we're going to elevate trade with China over human rights violations, over people that are being mistreated that are being put in concentration camps, that are being tortured, that are being killed. And we're living in a day and age when the economy is overriding morality. Where are the moral leaders today? Where are the ones that say morality is the most important thing? And you know, when I vote, you know what I look at in the person? I look at their morality. That's what I look at. Their love of mankind. That's what, to me, that's the most important thing. Because God will honor a moral government. And he will not honor an immoral government. And that's, that's what we're becoming, aren't we? We are becoming a very immoral nation. So get ready. Oh yeah, get ready. It's going to get worse. Because we're immoral. That's why. We're sinful. That's why. It's all over the place. It's in the government. It's in the media. It's in entertainment. It's in sports. It's everywhere. It's even slipping into the church. Yes, sadly, it's slipping into the church with the gay pride flag on the church door and the colorful doors. We welcome you. I'll tell you what. We need to get back to godliness Economy, godliness will motivate an economy. That's what I believe. So a person who welcomes life change will want to walk with Jesus. They will. If you want life change, if you don't want the status quo, but you want life change, you will desire to walk with the Lord. One man said, it is human not to want to have our comfort disturbed. It is divine to be willing to be disturbed 
so that others may have more. I like that. See, as human beings, we don't want to disturb our comfort. But if we're going to live divinely and godly, then it's okay if we're disturbed for the benefit of others. So in verse 18, we're in Mark chapter 1. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man that had been possessed with demons begged him that he might go with him. The guy wanted to go with Jesus. He's like, oh man, I want to come with you guys. You changed my life. I want to walk with you. I want to serve you. That's beautiful. You know, it looks like Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee just to help that man and to show his power to deliver. Because what? He got off the boat, healed the man, and he's getting back in the boat. It's amazing the, the places people will go, or Jesus will go, to meet one person. Just one person. He did it for one guy. Now listen, you are not off Jesus' radar. You are not. He looks for those in whom he can demonstrate his power to deliver. He does. This guy is a beautiful example of Jesus going to extreme lengths to meet one person to help them to deliver them from their tomb. Let me ask you, what is your tomb? What has you imprisoned? Is it a thought life? You stuck thinking that way? You need to break free? Is it a habit? Oh, the more you try to get victory, the deeper you sink. You can't get over that habit. Is it a preconceived notion? Is it low self-worth or no self-worth? Think about it. Think about what it is that has you entombed that you would want the Lord to deliver you from. Why don't you just tell God right now? That's between you and Him. Tell Him right now. What is that thing? that you would want the Lord Jesus to deliver you, like he delivered that man from legion. Here's a beautiful prayer you could pray. And it's a psalm. Pray this prayer. Agree with me. But I am afflicted and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. Like that prayer? That's Psalm 70, verse 5. Just write that down. Psalm 70, verse 5. And that's a beautiful scripture you can pray to God when you need deliverance, when you feel like you're being overcome by the world or the darkness is beginning to overcome and you can't see the light. It's a beautiful, beautiful prayer. I'm afflicted and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. Psalm 70, verse 5. Finally, Jesus said to the man, You can't come with me. But here's what I want you to do. Go and tell everyone back home your story. That's what he tells them. Verse 19. It says that he did not let him come with him, but he said to him, Go home. 
Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. What did Jesus say? Go home to your people. Who are your people? Well, it's your family, your friends, your acquaintances, even those you don't know that are in your town. And you know why Jesus said, I want you to tell all kinds of people? Because Jesus is for all kinds of people. That's the good news. He's for everybody. Every walk of life. He's for every person with every malady. And he desires to help all people. But he can only help those that recognize that they need to be helped. And they want to be helped. That's all. So in verse 20, he went away. And he began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Now, what is Decapolis? Decapolis was a region, what, of ten cities. This guy became like the Billy Graham of his day. Ten, you couldn't hold this guy down. He went to a very busy area. And there was probably thousands of people there. I don't know how big the towns were. Thousands of people. And he's proclaiming the wonderful things. It says, the great things that Jesus had done for him. Let me tell you something. He had a powerful testimony, didn't he? Oh, he certainly did. Powerful. He was living in tombs. He was in pain. He was cutting himself. He was naked. He was crying out. People were afraid of him. He he couldn't be subdued. He had great chains that he broke with his bare hands because he was filled with demons. No one had the power to help him but Jesus alone. And Jesus came and said, I'll help you. And he helped him. And he set him free. And when this man told this story, everyone was amazed. Think about it. You can't argue with a changed life. Oh, you can argue Bible all day long. What about this? What about that? You cannot argue with a changed life. You know what I say today? Tell your story. Tell people your story about the great things that God has done for you. Because your story advances the kingdom of God. Your story is a story of life. Actually, it's a story of life change. And you know what else? It's a never-changing story, isn't it? Yeah, your story is a story of life change, and it's a never-changing story. Because God changed our life when we met Him, and He continues to change it. We're continuing to change. We're growing, and we're becoming Christ-like. Isn't that the goal? Yeah, that's the journey to become like Christ. Our lives are progressive in a godly sense, and God is always working. Think about that. He's always working. He's bringing us along, making us less like us and more like Him. I like that part. Oh yeah, I want to be less like me, that's for sure, and more like Him. 
I wish I could live to be a thousand so I could be less like me and more like him. But when I meet him in eternity, I will be nothing like me <laughs> and all like him. That's going to be a good time. Can't wait for that. Going to take, take off this old raggedy old earth suit and put on that beautiful resurrection body. Oh, going to be nothing like the old self. Completely changed. Just like the new self. It'll be a brand new creation. Again, this time experientially. Think about that. So next time we're together, we're going to look at another person Jesus met. Again, he took a long journey out of his way. He went to Samaria, a place where Jewish people didn't go. Even the, the, the disciples would scratch their heads. Master, Lord, what? Well, why, why are you going there? We don't go there. We don't want to go there. <laughs> We're going there. Why? I got to meet somebody. Oh, going to meet a prophet? No. Yeah, who, who are you going to meet? Oh, I got to meet this young lady. Why are you going to meet her? We don't talk to young ladies in public. I do. We're going to go help her. Matter of fact, she's going to be kind of like what this guy was in Genesaret. You know Genesaret? You know, the guy in Genesaret that we healed, he became like an evangelist telling people about what I did. Yeah. This lady's going to do it too. Really? How do you know that? Because I'm God. That's how I know. Oh, so Jesus is going to meet the woman at the well. It's a beautiful story. I love this story. I love it because, again, it's all about a changed life. Let's never forget, Jesus is in the business of changing lives. You know, the Christian life is about life change. Sometimes we make more of what we shouldn't. Yes, we like concerts, we like conventions, we like workshops, we like all those things, but the end result must be life change. That's the, that's the goal. The goal of following Christ is to have our lives changed. Hey, listen, you can find this message again at the Hope Club Podcast. That's all it is. Type it in anywhere. The Hope Club Podcast. Look at the message called Legion. Jesus has the power to deliver. The power to to change a life. These are things you can listen to on the way to work, on the way home, share it with a friend. Why? Because we want to grow. We want to grow into Christ-likeness. Thanks for coming along. I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.